Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? And just like that, in a blink of an eye, it's already week number two, and here we are on the fourth phase Ready to preview the the next round of matchups, all sixteen. We're gonna cover them all. We got our our uh, six, our pick six. We got our all out blitz, and we got news and notes uh, this week. We'll talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, a little bit about Aaron, or excuse me, uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, former Bear, and uh, other little news and nuggets in there uh, as well. Got a lot to cover, 16 games to talk about, so let's go ahead and dive right in. This is the fourth phase, week two preview episode, so let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase. Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Welcome back to the fourth phase, guys. The week two preview episode. Uh, we'll, we'll have our news and notes here in just a moment. We got our pick six for this week. Spoiler alert, Green Bay at Atlanta, Baltimore at Cincinnati, Seattle at Detroit, the Chargers at the Titans, Kansas City at Jacksonville, San Francisco at the Rams. And programming note, going forward, I want to say, especially based on how the matchups went in week one, that um, the pick six for the preview episode may not always be the pick six featured in the review episode. Um, it may or may not. I, I'm kind of going back and forth uh, on that, because with, like I said, with the way the games turned out on Sunday, the 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 pick six that were in the preview may have gotten swapped out for some more exciting ball. Like definitely, I should have featured uh, the Dolphins and the the Chargers. The thirty thirty six to thirty four, almost a thousand yards in total offense, four hundred sixty six yards from Tua, uh, and all that kind of stuff. That should have been a game that got a deeper. Uh, look, maybe even the Saints and the Titans for that for coming down to the wire uh, with them uh, as well. So yeah, maybe we should have. Uh, and then of course, you know, would have spent a boatload of time on, on Buffalo and, and and the Jets. So interesting. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll we'll say for now, the pick six that we preview will be the pick six that we review uh, as well. But if it turns out that, uh, you know, like Green Bay and Atlanta turns out to be a stinker, then uh, I might swap it out for something else and just leave Atlanta and Green Bay to the all-out blitz at the end of the show. So anyway, guys, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and get the show started. We uh, uh, got a lot to cover here. So we'll go ahead and get started with uh, news and notes. So let's kick it off.
news and notes for week number two here on the fourth phase. And uh, it is official. I'm sure you've all heard by now, but it is official. Aaron Rodgers did, in fact, tear his Achilles on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. Only four plays in to his New York Jets career. He is done for the season. And according to Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets, they are riding with Zach Wilson uh, for the remainder of 2023. Although I am, you know, hearing online, they are putting feelers out to, uh, I, I would say, you know, at least to have some kind of veteran presence behind him, if not bringing in somebody to challenge Zach Wilson for the job. Cause um, he managed to be the winning quarterback uh, on Monday night, but it was very much looking like the Zach Wilson of 2022 in his level of production and comfort in running the offense. Now also, it's a new offense. This is Nathaniel Hackett's first year as offensive coordinator for the Jets uh, this year, but um, he did enough to get it done uh, against the uh, Bills, but it's very much looking like the Jets of 2022 where they have this monster defense. They have talent all around them on offense, Brees Hall, uh, Garrett Wilson. They added Dalvin Cook uh, and, and what have you on that offensive side, but the the weak link is the quarterback, which also just happens to be the most important position uh, on the team. So uh, the Jets are putting feelers out there, but for now, Zach Wilson is the man and will be the starter uh, going forward. So uh, the NFL announced its players of the week for week one, uh, I believe today on uh, on Wednesday. On the NFC side, uh, offensive player of the year, Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers, eight catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns, and a 30-7 to win over the Steelers. Defensive player of the week, Jesse Bates, the safety from Atlanta, uh, newly signed uh uh, safety, uh, 10 tackles, two interceptions of Bryce Young, and a forced fumble in that 24-10 victory over the Carolina Panthers. And special teams player of the week on the NFC side, Jake Elliott, kicker for the Eagles, 4-4 four for four on field goals, 13 points total in a 25-20 victory over the Patriots. On the AFC side, Tua Tungavailoa, 28-45, 466 yards, Three touchdowns and a 110 passer rating in that 36-34 win uh, for the Dolphins over the Chargers on the road. On the defensive side, Jordan Whitehead, three interceptions of Josh Allen against the Bills uh, on Monday night. Um, I read that uh, Jordan Whitehead had a $250,000 incentive in his contract if he got three interceptions for the season. He's cashing that check after week one, thanks to Josh Allen. Uh, Jordan Whitehead's got a bonus uh, after the first win of the season. And special teams player, Xavier Gibson. He just happens, he just keeps riding high. He was the star on on Hard Knocks. He made the team as an undrafted rookie uh, free agent, and he gave his squad the walk-off win on in overtime against the Bills with his 65-yard punt return for a touchdown. Uh, earning the, the the Jets a surprising Week 1 victory over Buffalo and earning himself Special Teams Player of the Week in his very first NFL game. Uh, in other news around the league, uh, for my beloved Chicago Bears, Tariq Cohen, a, a beloved player uh, for the team in his time in Chicago, uh, suffered a, a – and actually it sounds like it was way worse than than the team actually told us uh, it was. It's like not only did he 
tear the ACL, also the MCL, and suffered a a break. Like uh, I forget what what they said. The actual like the specific name of the the body part was, but it was kind of like he he also kind of broke his leg uh, as well. That was week three in 2020, so obviously he missed the rest of 2020. The complications from it kept him out all of 2021 as well. New regime with Ryan Poles and Eberflus comes in 2022. He does not pass the physical, and the Bears cut him. And while he is training to get ready for the 2022 season, he's on Instagram Live showing his workout, ruptures his Achilles tendon during the live workout, so he missed all of 2022 as well. You know, it 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 made me happy to see that the Panthers would give him a chance. They brought him in for a workout this week. He has been signed to their practice squad. So Tariq Cohen, after not playing for almost three full seasons, because it was week three of 2020 that he got hurt. So he missed 90% of 2020, all of 2021, all of 2022. And here he is. Uh, he's going to get another shot on the practice squad with the Panthers and, uh, you know, once a bear, always a bear. He was always one of the more exciting players we had when he was on the team uh, from 2017 to 2020. And, um, you know, it sucks, man. He he got that – he had that injury literally like the week after he signed an extension in 2020. Like he, he should have been a bear, to, I think, like through 2023 or something like that. And uh, But instead he has that injury, hasn't – doesn't see the field for another two seasons, and then – got cut uh, by the Bears, and now he's a Panther uh, on their practice squad. So good luck to uh, Tariq. And uh, uh, I, I tweeted at him uh, online saying that maybe, just maybe, you come down with like the 24-hour flu when the Panthers come to Chicago week 10. You know, what, what do you think? You know, just maybe sit that one out because the last thing that I would want to see is Tariq Cohen running a punt back for a touchdown against the Bears in that game on Thursday night football. So what do you say you sit that one out just for old time's sake? Hey, Tariq. So uh, moving on, I saw the announcement today, Matt Stafford joining Joe Burrow uh, as the quarterbacks featured in season two of the Netflix series Quarterback. Uh, season one featured Pat Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Marcus Mariota. A really great show. I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and, and got a lot to see a lot of behind the scenes, not just with the team, but also in their personal lives uh, and everything like that. Uh, Joe Burrow, an, ex- out of, an outstanding uh, choice, and, and Omaha Productions, the production company run by Peyton and Eli uh, Manning, were having a lot of trouble finding people to uh, participate in the show Matt Stafford makes two. Will there be a number three, or will those two, you know, top of the line QBs, uh, be enough to, uh, you know, carry on uh, the series? So, but for sure, Matt Stafford for the Rams, Joe Burrow for the Bengals will be the subjects for season two uh, of quarterback uh, coming out sometime next year. Um, in other news around the league, practice squads uh, in twenty twenty four. We'll all have an extra space uh, or an extra roster spot, if you will, for an international player. So it's like there are only a few, including the Bears, that have an international spot or an international player uh, on their teams. Next year, the NFL wants everybody to do that. They want all 32 teams and will grant them that extra uh, roster spot on the practice squad for the international uh, player. Uh, So that will be starting in 2024. And then finally... 
the fallout of the Aaron Rodgers uh, injury has the NFL Players Association petitioning the league to get rid of artificial turf um, because Rodgers' leg got caught or his foot got caught, uh, ended up putting all that weight uh, on his leg, uh, you know, on that uh, on that calf, and and you could go back and look at it. You can see like the freeze frame moment the second that that tendon gave way. You can see the leg pop, or you can see the jerk, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for the moment that Rogers, uh, you know, ruptured and or tore uh, that Achilles. I did read that one NFL executive was saying there is like statistically there's no difference between grass and artificial turf when it comes to these type of injuries. So it sounds like the NFL itself is going to take that petition with a grain of salt. But it's out there. The NFLPA wants to play on grass and not artificial turf to try to see if they can cut back on injuries. The funny thing about it is if you go back and, and, and you start looking at some of, the, uh, some of the tweets that were coming out, there were people that were calling this. Somebody tweeted out, uh, I think it was just a fan, Tweeted out like in in with with this rain that the New York area was, or New York New Jersey was uh, experiencing at the time. His he tweeted out at like five p.m. He's like two and a half hours from now, Aaron Rodgers is going to blow out an Achilles on this field, and sure enough, <laughs> four plays into the game, like almost to the minute, he hurts himself. So, uh, it's one of those things. It's uh, quite the quite the thing. So, we'll see if uh, if this petition gains traction at all or if it will go the line of what that one NFL executive said is like there's no data to back up the you know an increased level of injuries you know on one surface or the other so you know we're going to leave that to the team's discretion on what surface they want to play on so all right that's going to do it this week for news and notes let's go ahead and dive in it's the pick 6 for phase 4 week number 2 <laughs> Pick six for week number two of the fourth phase. We start in Atlanta where the Packers are going on the road to take on the Falcons, who uh, won at home last week against the uh, Bryce, Lung, Bryce Young-led uh, Carolina Panthers. Came away with a big win, 24-10 uh, to 10 in that one, thanks to Defensive Player of the Week uh, Jesse Bates uh, and his two interceptions. Uh, and 10 tackles uh, in, on uh, on defense uh, last week. Jordan Love uh, began the Jordan Love era uh, very well, 245 yards and three touchdowns against my beloved Chicago Bears, and every single one of them hurt, let me tell you. <laughs> but, you know, for it, it's, it's only week one, but uh, they did uh, Love and company went a long way in, uh, you know, I guess reassuring Packer fans that uh, things were going to be okay even without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was going to be a, a competent quarterback that could at least run the offense for him as opposed to the uh, the stinker of a draft pick that he looked like he was going to be uh, going into this year. Not so much the, you know, like preseason into the start of the season, but going in like he wasn't impressive he did not look good in practice and uh and all that kind of stuff and uh you know he did okay in his one start against the the Chiefs uh back in 2021 I want to say or maybe it had been 2020 I think it was 2021 actually but nonetheless uh when they played the Chiefs he started against them they did not end up winning uh the football game but he was serviceable for sure 
Uh, and he definitely played a lot better than that against the Bears uh, on Sunday. Time will tell if that was just an indication as to what we can expect from Jordan Love and the Packers on offense going forward, or if it was them having the Bears number, if it was the Bears having a bad day, because that's you know something I'm hoping. You hear me talk about it in the all-out blitz. The Bears are out to prove that week one was a fluke, and uh, we'll, we'll see how, as we get further away from that game, how true that will be, uh, or is it just an indication on how this rivalry is going to go until something seriously changes uh, for the Bears to uh, get back into or to turn this thing back into a rivalry again. Uh, the Falcons, on the other hand, Desmond Ritter uh, and company uh, were able to get the job done uh, last week against the um, Falcons Despite being, I mean, he was 15 of 18, so extremely efficient uh, for a quarterback, but only 100, uh, 115 yards uh, passing uh, from Desmond Ritter. Uh, the, 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 the Falcons were able to get it done on the road. Uh, Algier had 75 yards on, on 15 carries for two touchdowns. Uh, Bijan Robinson, 56 yards on 10 carries and had a uh, receiving uh, touchdown uh, in the ball game. But it, it's all going to come down to that defense because uh, if if for nothing if no other, if for nothing else the Packers are going to lean heavily on Aaron Jones, especially after the show he put on uh, in Chicago, the way that he ran the ball early in the in the first half and the way he dominated the uh, third quarter. I mean, he went out with a I think a hamstring injury or like a half hamstring hamstring strain in the third quarter. But he did that after, in, in the third quarter, in two drives, he had 104 yards and two touchdowns and pretty much put the game away because it was a 10-6 to halftime score and then it was 24-6 to after that. The Packers didn't really need Aaron Jones after that. And, um, but, I mean, he had two catches for 86 yards, one for 51 yards and the other was a touchdown for 35 yards on fourth and three that made it 24-6. to So, uh, you know, Aaron Jones showing that he is uh, he's hit the ground running uh, in week number uh, one uh, against the Bears. And their defense was outstanding uh, against Chicago. They put constant pressure uh, on Justin Fields. They were clogging up uh, running lanes. The Bears had some success here and there, but, uh, you know, just look at that opening drive uh, against the Bears. First down, you know, first and 10, the first play of the game, Khalil Herbert stuffed uh, for no gain. Uh, third and fourth down, third and one, fourth and one, both stuffed for no gain to give the ball back to Green Bay with a turnover on downs, which they turned into an opening drive touchdown from Love to uh, Romeo Dobbs, sticking early 7 nothing, uh lead uh, over the Bears and pretty much never looked back because they never trailed in the game. They were up 7 nothing, and uh, the Bears never captured the lead at any point uh, during the uh, football game. And uh, you know the Falcons pretty much did the same thing uh, to the uh, to the Panthers. Uh, I believe the you know it was ten uh, ten at some point uh, in the first half, but it was all Falcons in the uh, in the second half. As I pull up the box score, oh excuse me, it was ten ten going into the fourth quarter, and then two fourth quarter touchdowns from the Falcons is what put it away. Uh, both three-yard touchdown runs by Tyler Algier, uh, one with uh, 14 to 12. So right at the start of the fourth quarter, and with about four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the second and final that made it 24 to 10, put the game out of reach uh, for uh, Carolina. So 
it uh you know it looks like they got most of their most of it done on the road uh la- or excuse me on the ground I should say like I said 75 yards rushing for Algier uh 56 for Bijan Robinson so both averaging at least 5 yards a carry 5 exactly for Algier 5.6 for Bijan Robinson but uh 130 yards total only 115 yards passing out of Desmond Ritter as as Kyle Pitts was the uh was the leading receiver with 44 yards on two catches uh in the ball game so not the sexiest offense uh in the world but with the way their defense played against the uh against the Panthers there they had the two interceptions from uh from Jesse Bates and um that was it those were the two turnovers in this one but they they proved to be heavy uh in the ball game uh for the uh for the Falcons so you know, can the Falcons uh, continue this? You know, can they keep going? Because there are a lot of teams, or a lot of people, uh, me included, that believe with the with the NFC South being the way that it is, uh, you know, Carolina's probably going to struggle this year with the rookie quarterback, the new regime, and, and everything like that. Uh, new Orleans looks poised to steal the division, but if they can't, this is the team that everyone else is looking at to 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 fill that void if New Orleans can't get it done, it's going to be uh, the Falcons. You know, a lot of people like all of the uh, tools that they have on offense, so maybe they start trusting Desmond Ritter just a little bit more because 18 passing attempts, not a whole lot. But, like I said, 15 of 18, uh, only 115 yards, but he had a 108, or excuse me, 111.8 passer rating uh, in the ball game because he threw a touchdown pass, uh, to Bijan Robinson, no interceptions, no fumbles. He was sacked four times, so that could be uh, an issue, especially against the Packers uh, on Sunday. So, and I think that's what actually is going to be the difference uh, in this one. Uh, I just think that the the, the defense for Green Bay uh, is a little too tough. They may find a way to uh, shut down that running game. They certainly did uh, against the Bears, and then you know Jordan Love won't need to do much. Uh, if the defense keeps playing like that, he won't have to score 30-plus points a game. It will be a luxury for the Packers if that's what he ends up doing uh, this year. But uh, give me the Packers over the Falcons uh, on the road, so the Green Bay will move to 2-0, uh, I believe. But uh, it's an interesting matchup because of all the uh, firepower the Falcons potentially have with Pitts, Robinson, Algier, Drake London, it's just a matter of, you know, can they trust uh, Desmond Ritter to get it to those guys? You know, 15 of 18 for 115 yards. A lot of Sounds like we got a lot of short passes uh, in there, uh, maybe dinking and dunking their way. So, you know, he was a game manager for the ball game, but got the job done and got them the win. I don't think it will be enough uh, against the Packers uh, on Sunday. Matchup number two, uh, divisional matchup, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Cincinnati a lot to answer for after their performance in uh, Cleveland uh, this past Sunday. Joe Burrow fresh off of signing the richest contract in NFL history. Five years, $275 million plus like 220 of it uh, guaranteed. Went 14 of 31 for 82 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. So it's like the, uh, I don't think the Bengals turned the ball over at all. Uh, on, yeah, they had one fumble, or that actually was a recovery, so it wasn't even 
their fumble. But uh, yeah, did not turn over the balls. They did so they didn't make any mistakes. They just did not play well. I don't know if it was the rain, if it was week one, if it was missing Joe Burrow in the preseason, or whatever the situation was, they just did not show up. Or maybe we're not giving the Browns enough credit, and the Browns just went in there and whooped that ass on uh, on Sunday. Because that's ultimately what it came to, 24-3. A uh, you know, So it's like the Bengals were never even in this ballgame uh, at all. So, I mean, they ran out. They ran away with it in the fourth quarter. To make it twenty-four to three, the Browns did, and you know, eighteen of or you know, eighty-two yards passing from a guy who's quickly putting together a Hall of Fame resume as far as uh, you know his talent levels. Joe Mixon had fifty-six yards on the ground, but that was fifty-six of seventy-five uh, for the game. Eighty-two yards uh, passing uh, for the for Burrow, which which left the uh, Bengals with just 142 yards of total offense. So a total domination by the by that Browns defense and uh but that was on the road that was in rainy less than ideal uh conditions. This one is in the jungle. It is at home for the Bengals. And these last couple of years, especially at home, they've had Cincinnati they have Baltimore's number. So can they keep that going or Will Baltimore retake control of this division by by beating their most intense rival uh, over these last several uh, years? You know they 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 went on the road and they beat the uh, uh, beat the Texans uh, on Sunday. Lamar Jackson, seventeen of twenty two, extremely efficient, but only one hundred and sixty nine yards. It seems like it was a theme uh, throughout the. Uh, Throughout the league, quarterbacks just not putting up huge numbers outside of like Tua and Kirk Cousins, uh, not exactly lighting up the uh, the board or anything. But it was enough to get it done. You know, the the he was seventeen of twenty two, one hundred sixty nine yards, no touchdowns, and he did throw uh, one pick. Um, he was the leading rusher. Lamar Jackson was thirty eight yards on six carries. Uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, who you know unfortunately did. Uh, ruptured his Achilles, so he's done uh, for the year, so we won't be seeing him anymore. Justice Hill, eight carries, nine yards for two touchdowns, though. So, you know, not an ideal fantasy stat. Uh, you know, didn't even get a point for his rushing yards, but uh, got those points for the for the TDs uh, that he scored. Uh, Zay Flowers, the first-round pick for him, eight, 78 yards on nine catches uh, against the uh, against the Texans. So it's it's an offense that uh, did enough to win the ball game uh, on Sunday, but overall still has a lot of work, uh, you know, still has a lot of work to do. So it's like J.K. Dobbins had that touchdown early uh, in the ball game. All of their touchdowns that were scored on Sunday were on the ground. Uh, two from Justice Hill and the other one from J.K. Dobbins at the start of the game. They held the Texans to only nine points, so three field goals uh, for the day uh, for Houston. C.J. Stroud, 28 of 44 for 242 yards, but they did sack him five times. They didn't force an interception, unlike the other rookie quarterbacks that were starting uh, on Sunday, but they did force a fumble out of of C.J. Stroud, so they did get one turnover out of the quarterback, but he didn't throw any picks and you know kept himself clean as far as that goes uh on the uh, offensive side 
But, you know, so it really is going to come down to, you know, it's going to be the Cincinnati offense versus the Baltimore uh, defense because clearly the, you know, the Ravens who are also running a new offensive system under Todd Munkin, uh, they were very excited about it uh, when he was coming in from college to uh, to help improve the uh, the offense uh, this season, but statistically very unimpressive uh, against the uh, the Texans on Sunday. Only 265 yards, which is actually less than what the Texans had. You know, 18 first downs, which is not bad uh, at all. Uh, let's see, third down they were six of eight of 15, so better than better than half of their third down conversions, which is probably why they won the uh, time of possession battle uh, on Sunday. They forced the turnover out of Houston. They sacked C.J. Stroud five times. So, like I said, this game is going to be won on defense for the Ravens because it doesn't look like uh, the offense is going to be lighting up the scoreboard uh, if the week one uh, is any indication. So, And, they, of course, they also lost J.K. Dobbins for the season with that torn Achilles. So, um, like I said, the the Bengals have a lot to account for because not only do they have Joe Burrow, who is literally you know one of the best quarterbacks that the league has to offer uh, right now. He threw for eighty two yards on thirty one attempts. Uh, you know, uh, let's see, Jamar Chase led the team with thirty nine thirty nine yards on five catches. Uh, yeah, T. Higgins had no catches on eight targets on Sunday, so they completely shut him down. I believe you can credit Denzel Ward uh, for that. Um, eight targets, no catches for T. Higgins. That can't happen if the Bengals are going to be successful. So they have a lot to answer for uh, against the uh, Ravens. I'm going to say week one was a fluke for the Bengals. I'm hoping that they bounce back. I'm putting a low confidence score on it, but give me the Bengals over the Ravens in Cincinnati. And, you know, they got off to a slow start last year. Losing 24-3 and only having 140 yards total offense is about as slow a start as you can have. And hopefully they bounce back quickly. Otherwise, it's uh, it could get ugly. Two-division loss to start the year uh, for the Bengals. Can't have that. Let's, uh, let's say that they win Sunday uh, against the Ravens at home. Seattle at Detroit. Boy, you know, if uh if the Lions are going to keep uh, keep uh, or go back going back to to being the Lions again, week 2 is going to be a big letdown after that big week 1 win over Kansas City on the road on national TV with the night they're raising the banner and and all that kind of stuff. But I do think the Lions are better than that. And uh I think this is a revenge game for them. Because this was a uh, same game, uh, same same team, same place. Uh, I think week three or four uh, of last season, Seattle went into Detroit, and uh, the two offenses tried to break the scoreboard. Ninety three points combined between the two of them, forty eight forty five, the final score. And in the end, the 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 Lions defense just could not keep Seattle out of the end zone. I think Rashad Penny broke. There were like two big long touchdown runs for the for the Seahawks uh, in that one. I think the Lions are a lot better on defense than they were uh, a year ago. Whether it's Aaron Glenn uh, shoring up the 
offense or just you know new talent that would they acquired uh, during the uh, off season that the secondary is greatly improved with CJ Gardner Johnson uh, and company Brian Branch uh, also a, a draft pick for them uh, this year who had the pick six against the uh, against the Chiefs on Thursday night. So I don't think that they'll be letting the Seahawks score 48 points on them like they did uh, last year. And hopefully they'll bring enough firepower to outgun uh, the the Seahawks. The Seahawks coming off of a playoff season uh, last year also have a lot to answer for. A really bad showing at home against the Rams uh, on Sunday in a year where everyone is expecting the Rams to kind of tank or they're rebuilding because they're in salary cap hell from all of those big contracts they've given out to their stars over the years and because of all the draft picks that they've given away to acquire uh, those stars. Went on the road to Seattle, one of the toughest places in the league to play, and absolutely housed the Seahawks. Uh, it was close at halftime, but they won the second half 23 to nothing uh, to win big 30 to 13 uh, over the uh, Seahawks. We'll we'll dig a little bit more into the Rams here at the end of the segment here because one of our pick six games is their matchup against the 49ers. But like I said, the Seahawks have a lot to answer for. People are thinking that if anyone's going to challenge the 49ers for the division, it's going to be the Seahawks, not the stinking Rams because obviously Arizona is also packing it in oh, already. They're planning on having the first and second pick in the draft uh, next year. That's what they're playing for. Uh, right now so uh, you know if anyone was going to challenge the 49ers for the NFC West crown it was going to be the Seahawks and they seem to have an offseason that could back that up and you know drafting uh, Witherspoon with the draft the draft choice they got from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade using their their own pick at number 20 for Jackson Smith and Jigba one of the best wide receiver pros- prospects in this draft uh, as well to go along with Geno Smith, who had a comeback player of the year season last year. Kenneth Walker is back uh, healthy uh, and everything. This looked like a team that was raring to go, and this was how they kicked off the season with a home loss to a team that nobody expected anything from. So a very disappointing performance uh, for them. And if we can uh, you know, dive into the, into the stats of last week's game for the uh, – for the Seahawks, yeah, let's take a look here. Box score. So let's see. Geno Smith, 16 of 26, 112 yards. Had a touchdown, but 16 of 26, 112 yards. Like, it's going all over the league like that. For Is it because it's week one that people aren't uh, really posting up the huge numbers here? But, you know, Kenneth Walker came back healthy, 12 carries, 64 yards, so five yards a carry for him, so not bad at all. DK Metcalf only caught three passes for 47 yards but had that touchdown in the first half. The returning Bobby Wagner led the team in tackles uh, on Sunday, but they put no pressure on Stafford as they got no sacks uh, on uh, on the day in that one giving up two to the Rams. So Geno Smith got sacked a couple of times uh, on Sunday uh, as well. Looking at the uh, team stats here, only 13 first downs, only 180 yards total offense. They were two of nine 
uh, on third down while the Rams were 11 of 17. So the defense could not get themselves off the field, and they lost the time of possession battle by almost 20 minutes, 39 minutes to 20 uh, in in uh, in Sunday's game. So it's like, you know, when you look at that, it's like, yeah, 112 yards is not that bad when you only had the ball one-third of the time in the ballgame. And, I mean, you know, the – the Rams were 30 seconds away from having a two-to-one time of possession battle. That is really hard to do in this league, really hard. So 39 and a half minutes to 20 and a half minutes time of possession advantage, you know, a full 19-minute advantage. So they had the ball for a quarter longer, a quarter and change longer than the uh, than the Seahawks did. I mean, it's just, that's unbelievable. So, just utter domination from the the Rams, especially in the second half. I'm guessing, uh, with uh, to to come away with an advantage like that, and just to completely shut the Seahawks down. Stafford 334 yards uh, through the air, and uh, you know just an impressive performance from the Rams, and another team looking to to prove that Week One was not a fluke. Uh, whereas the Seahawks are looking to prove that it was. Uh, the Lions looking to prove that week one wasn't a fluke by beating the world champs at home to uh, start off the uh, year. So Jared Goff, um, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, and and uh, the, the new tight end Laporta that they drafted, uh, looking to uh, keep things going. And Dan Campbell and his uh, kneecap-biting uh, Lions looking to uh, to continue the streak at home, to continue the momentum and prove that they are, in fact, the real deal instead of putting all of their eggs in the week one basket against the champs and then not able to show up at home against the Seahawks. I like the Lions. Give me the Lions over the Seahawks to get the win. And since we just spent most of that preview talking about them, let's talk about the Rams and the 49ers. This is going to be a big early season game uh, between these teams. Uh, the Rams looking to surprise people uh, this year. Like I said, the expectation for the Rams, especially after the year that they had last year, they were not very active in the offseason. They did more trimming of the fat than they did uh, you know, acquiring you know, people to bring in uh, this season. They were not very active uh, in free agency because have any money to spend it's all tied up in Cooper Cup Aaron Donald Matt Stafford and so on um you know they traded Allen Robinson to to Pittsburgh and and things like that it's um you know after being 5 and 12 the worst record for a defending Super Bowl champion in the Super Bowl era uh they weren't expecting much better from the Rams uh this year and then they come out on the road and dominate the Seahawks. I mean, dominate. You just heard me talking about time of possession battle. They were, they nearly won it two to one. They were this close from being a two to one time of possession battle, where uh, you know they ran the Seahawks off their own field uh, uh, on Sunday, and now they come home to SoFi. But it's it's hard. Number one, because it's the Forty ers and number two, the Forty ers I think are undefeated in SoFi Stadium. Um, Except maybe the NFC Championship game. Yeah, the Rams beat the 49ers in SoFi to go to the Super Bowl at SoFi. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's, that's the one exception. But otherwise, during the regular season, 
the 49ers have won every game in SoFi Stadium thus far and are looking to continue the domination that they displayed over the Steelers uh, in Pittsburgh on Sunday. I mean, it's like I I picked the Steelers because I just last week because I thought it would be one of those games where you got the West Coast team going to the East Coast, playing in the early time slot, which for them, for their internal clocks and whatnot, would be tantamount to a 10 a.m. kickoff time for them. You rarely see West Coast teams perform well when they're put in those circumstances, regardless of how good or bad the team is. That's always a tough hoe, uh, a tough hill for them to climb. So to see the 49ers come out and dominate the way, the way they did, they were up 20 to nothing before giving up a touchdown just before halftime. And then on the opening drive of the second half, what, three plays in to the third quarter? Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey breaks one for 65 yards and a touchdown uh, on his way to an outstanding uh, performance. Uh, against the Steelers, who people had a pretty high opinion of coming into this uh, into this season, like this could be a huge bounce back year uh, for the Steelers. Well, the 49ers put that all to bed quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, you know, with the uh, with their performance, uh, Brock Purdy, nineteen of twenty nine, two twenty and two touchdowns, no picks, a one eleven point three quarterback rating. McCaffrey, 152 yards on 22 carries, including that 65-yard uh, touchdown run. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, as you heard, NFC player, offensive player of the week, eight catches, 129 yards and two touchdowns uh, against the Steelers. The 49ers just dominated. You know, they sat Kenny Pickett five times. They forced two interceptions, held Najee Harris to 31 yards rushing. Um, you know, Allen Robinson got five catches for 64 yards, but – Otherwise, the uh, the Steelers were just outgunned from the beginning. Uh, only 15 third downs, or 15 uh, first downs, 5 of 15 uh, on third downs, so not very good uh, ratio. The 49ers, 6 of 13, so almost uh, half uh, of their convergence. 230 yards of total offense. Uh, they turned the ball over twice. They lost the time of possession battle by 15 minutes. So coming into it, you probably have the number one and number two time of possession teams in the league. The Rams had 39 and a half minutes over the Seahawks. The the 49ers, 37 and a half over the Steelers. So a 14, 15 minute advantage over the Steelers, a 19 minute advantage over the Seahawks for the Rams, so I guess it's going to come down to which which offense can hang on to the ball and play keep away because these are both teams scored thirty points on their opponents uh, on Sunday. So, which defense is going to be able to bottle bottle the other one up? For me, that's easy. I'm taking the 49ers uh, to 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 be the team the defense that better handles the uh, that better handles the other. You know, I I I don't think by any stretch that Week One was a fluke. For the Rams, I just do not think they're going to be able to do that uh, against the uh, against the 49ers. Week one was definitely something for the Rams to build on, especially in this season where no one's really expecting much of anything from them. But people are expecting the world from the 49ers, and they got off to a big start over the Steelers on the road against the team that people are having some high expectations for uh, this year. And, uh, you know, they look to be in midseason form on, on week one 
And, uh, you know, they got another road game to start the year, but it's against the, uh, the Rams, a place where they win just about every time so far. And uh, on paper, this is not a matchup. The 49ers got it all over uh, the Rams in just about every place except maybe defensive tackle where they have Aaron Donald. So other than that, you can pretty much give this one to uh, San Francisco. I love the 49ers uh, in this one. I just think it's one of the more intriguing matchups considering how well uh, the Rams performed against the um, Seahawks last Sunday, saying that this game could probably be a lot closer than most people were predicting it could be at the start, uh, you know, before the season started, like week two, 49ers, Rams. I mean, is is it even going to be legal how, how much the 49ers are going to kill uh, L.A. in that game? It might be a much tougher matchup than uh, people originally thought, but I still like the 49ers to take it. Give me the 49ers over the Rams uh, in this one. Final two matchups, uh, we got the Chargers, speaking of SoFi, on the road at Tennessee. They lost the, you know, that, that shootout with the, uh, with the Dolphins uh, last week, 36-34, where you know, I've said it a couple of times, 60 first downs between the two teams, 70 points total, and nearly 1,000 yards uh, of total offense. So we have extremes here. We have an extremely good offense and what you could easily consider to be a very bad defense (laughs) because this defense of the Chargers gave up 536 yards uh, of total offense, uh, you know, and 30 first downs. Uh, in this one, they were good against the run, only 70 yards rushing for the Dolphins, but 466 yards passing uh, for Tua. 215 of that went to uh, went to Tyree Kill. Luckily for the Chargers, the Tennessee Titans don't have anything closely resembling Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle or anything like that on their football team, so I doubt that you'll see them. Uh, give up 466 yards passing against Ryan Tannehill, whose offense could not reach the end zone uh, last week. Uh, they didn't have much trouble moving the ball against the Saints uh, last Sunday, but they definitely had all the trouble that you could muster uh, in getting the ball in the end zone, which is to say they didn't do it at all. They had to settle for five field goals from uh, Nick Folk uh, in this one. You know, they still ran the ball for particularly well, 63 yards on 15 carries for Derrick Henry. That's better than four yards uh, a carry uh, in the ball game. But Tannehill, 16 of 34, 198 yards, three interceptions in this one to go along with being sacked uh, three times. You know, just a very bad performance uh, from Tannehill when he's got two young guns in, 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 in Will Levis and... Um, Oh, what's his name? The quarterback uh, behind him. Yep, can't remember. The, and I forget. I'm I sorry. I can't remember his name right now. But, uh, you know, it's uh, we all know who I'm talking about. The, the kid from Liberty who's Malik Willis. There it is. Finally popped in my head. Malik Willis and, and Will Levis chomping at the bit uh, behind him. He, he hangs up another you know, uh, performance where he's converting less than 50% of his passing attempts and throws another three picks. 
you might see the Will Levis or the Malik Willis show uh, starting at quarterback for the Titans going forward. I wonder how short the leash is uh, for uh, for Tannehill. How short is it for uh, you know for Vrabel to uh, you know pull the trigger on putting one of the young guns in uh, at quarterback? Because uh, DeAndre Hopkins, sixty five yards on seven carries in his Tennessee uh, debut, but thirteen targets, so only seven catches on thirteen targets. Not very good. I, I bet that's probably more to do with uh, Tannehill than than Hopkins uh, on that one. So, you know, they have a lot of room for improvement. Traylon Burks uh, back this year after being hurt last season, only 18 yards receiving on two catches uh, when he was brought in to replace uh, A.J. Brown, who they traded away to Philadelphia because they didn't want to pay him. That's why. Not because he wasn't productive, that he wasn't a stud for them, because they didn't want to pay him. So Philly was more than happy to pay him, and he took him to a Super Bowl uh, last year. So I think that if the Titans could do that one over again, they would have stuck with A.J. Brown and paid him the goddamn money. But, um, you know, there are some things to like about uh, Tennessee, you know, the fact they run the football. They obviously did very well on defense. They sacked Derek Carr four times, held the – Held the Saints to, uh, you know, well, they gave up 300 yards passing to Derek Carr. But, you know, the Saints uh, rushing game, 69 yards, nice, uh, in that ball game. You know, held the Saints and, and you know, Alvin Kamara and company uh, to uh, minimal. Uh, actually, Alvin Kamara didn't play. He's suspended. That's right. He's not playing yet. But Jamal Williams, 45 yards on uh, 18 carries. Uh, no touchdowns uh, in the ball game, so you know they got the 69 yards on 27 carries, so less than three yards, 2.6 yards uh, a carry in this one. So their defense can handle it, but will they be able to handle the Chargers, who were, you know, lights out last week then uh, against the uh, against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are supposed to have a pretty good defense they were just waiting for the offense to catch up so i mean if that's any indication as to you know the what the chargers are packing as far as their firepower it could be a long long day uh for the um for the titans as uh you know you you watched them hang tough with the saints last week and then here come the chargers into uh nashville uh coming off a 400 yard performance where they had 31st downs uh, 234 of it were on the ground as well. So that's going to be the real test uh, for this Tennessee Titans uh, defense, you know, where they had a good day against the uh, against the Saints, but with Austin Eckler and, and, and everyone else in that, uh, in that uh, Chargers uh, running back room, Eckler had 16 yards or 16 carries for 117 yards almost – Better than seven yards uh, a carry. Joshua Kelly, 16 carries, 91 yards, so almost six yards a carry for him. Uh, it's you know that's outstanding uh, right there. They had an outstanding day running the uh, running the football. Uh, and Justin Herbert, 23 of 33, 228 yards and a touchdown, a 99.1 uh, quarterback rating. Uh, you know, definitely was adding to the uh, adding the fuel to the fire on that one. I just think the Chargers have too much. The Tennessee Titans are going to need an epic performance from their defense to come away with the win on this one. 
Give me the Chargers over Tennessee. And then finally, the defending world champs. Talk about a team that's got a lot to prove going in week two. Uh, I mean, granted, they lost a close one. They were missing two of their top three players uh, in that ballgame. And I think one, two, three is Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones. They were without Kelsey and Chris Jones. And it showed, especially on offense uh, for the Chiefs and in crunch time, those are definitely situations where Mahomes is looking for Travis Kelsey and he wasn't there. And the guys that were could not catch the damn ball. Uh, So, I mean, the Chiefs have a lot to answer for. This is a rematch of the divisional round matchup between the Jags and the Chiefs, only this time it's in Florida where, uh, you know, the heat might be a factor uh, out there in, uh, in Jacksonville or not so much the heat humidity because I think I've told this story before but I went to Las Vegas in 2015 uh, that's the last time I was out there and it was the average temperature in the five days that I was there was 106 degrees that is goddamn hot but you know what it wasn't that bad you don't want to stand there under the direct sun because you literally just burst into flames if you do that but if you keep moving it's really not that bad and I can gauge that by saying that when I flew back to my homeland of uh, Illinois slash Iowa, because I lived in the Quad City area at the time, it was at 9 o'clock at night, 81 degrees with the highest level of humidity you can imagine. And I would take 106 degrees of direct heat over that. And you could literally see the, the moisture beating up on, the, on my arm hair as I was walking in. That's what humidity is. Uh, one of my best friends um, in, in college told me once, he said, the desert is like a fire, and the Midwest, with its humidity, is like an oven. So it's like the heat. That's what, And that's a very great description of how heat versus humidity feels. Like heat is just hot, but humidity feels, it, it feels oppressive almost, and Will the humidity be oppressive to the Chiefs on Sunday when they're trying to uh, bounce back from that week one loss to the Lions um, against these Jacksonville Jaguars who had a, a very solid performance against the uh, the Colts? You know, they let the Colts hang in there uh, until the fourth quarter, and then reality sets in. It's like, oh, yeah, we're a lot better than these guys, so let's go out there and play like it in the fourth quarter. Uh, we'll pick off Anthony Richardson and take that back for a touchdown, and then Travis Etienne will have a nice 26-yard touchdown run to close this thing up for good, 31-21. Uh, there's, that was enough of that uh, kind of thing. So I don't think Jacksonville is a Super Bowl contender. I definitely still think that they're the best team in their division, and taking advantage of the wounded giant that is the Kansas City Chiefs would be outstanding for them. Not to mention, come playoff time, it would be a very handy thing to have a head-to-head victory over the Chiefs when it comes to seeding, God forbid if their records are anything uh, alike at that time uh, of the year. So uh, it's a big matchup for Jacksonville. It's an even bigger one for Kansas City after losing that home opener uh, to the uh, to the Lions. Don't know if they'll have Travis Kelsey back, but they definitely will have Chris Jones, who ended his holdout on Monday uh, by signing his uh, contract. So he's practicing today. He will play on Sunday uh, against the Jaguars. Hopefully he's in football shape. It, it's, it's one thing to, to run the treadmill and make sure you got your wind 
uh, and everything. It's another in thing entirely to put your body through the gambit that is an NFL football game. So we'll see uh, if uh, if uh, Chris Jones is on any kind of a pitch count while he gets his body up to speed for the beating that it's going to take throughout the uh, year. And it'd be very interesting to see if Travis Kelsey can take the field uh, one week removed from a hyperextended knee and a bone bruise uh, in that knee uh, as well. I'm going to keep this one short. I, I I still like the Chiefs here. I'm going to put a low confidence value on it, probably like a three or a four, just because I also think Jacksonville's a good football team and could very well, with Doug Peterson uh, and the strategist that he is, could put something together that could put the Chiefs in an 0-2 hold. I don't think it would murder the Chiefs. They're too good a football team uh, for that. Uh, Andy Reid, too good of a head coach to let an 0-2 start sink their season, but it could definitely draw some doubts and uh, go a long way in helping Jacksonville become who they want to be and take the step they want to take uh, this year. It may be close uh, like the week one was for the uh, the Chiefs, but if Kelsey plays in this one and if, and if Kel- Kelsey plays healthy, if he's really healthy and ready to go, I really like the Chiefs to bounce back here. Give me the Chiefs over the Jags. And now it's time that we close this bad boy out for week two with the other 10 matchups on the week two slate. It's the All Out Blitz. All Out Blitz for the week two preview of the fourth phase. We start in Philadelphia. The one good thing about playing on Thursday is that you do not have a lot of time to dwell on what went wrong on Sunday as Minnesota heads into Philly to take on the Eagles, they must respond after an opening home game loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts and the defending NFC champs look to hang the banner at home after a road win in Foxborough on Sunday. The NFC champs are just going to be a little too much for this one. Give me Philly over the Vikings. In Buffalo, the Bills looking to respond after getting their... Uh, after... After uh, you know their performance on Monday night, the Raiders are looking to spoil the home debut, or after spoiling the home debut of Sean Payton in Denver, the Raiders are looking to do the same for the Bills in their home opener on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Bills have a bruised ego and a short week to rebound from the walk-off overtime loss to the Jets on Monday with a lot to prove, especially for Josh Allen after a four-turnover performance. Still like the Bills better than the Raiders on this one. Give me Buffalo. In Tampa Bay, my beloved Chicago Bears uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are two teams with something to prove. The Bears are out to prove that their embarrassing home loss to Green Bay was a good old-fashioned week one fluke, and the Buccaneers are out to prove that their surprising win on the road over Minnesota wasn't a fluke. Way more pressure on fields and the Bears to account for their performance against Green Bay. I'm going to be the optimist and show my bias, and I'm still going to pick my Bears to win this one in a close one over the Buccaneers. Indian Houston, C.J. Stroud versus Anthony Richardson. Is this the start of an intense divisional rivalry or a time capsule for two future failed quarterbacks? Could it be both? Could one be the, you know, the stud and the other one be the bust, or how is that going to work? Either way, The game is tough to call. Houston was very good on defense last week against the Ravens. The Colts and the Colts played the Jags tough for three and a half quarters. I'm going to go with the home team on this one. Give me the Texans to win over Indy. (laughs) 
the Giants at Arizona. If Brian Dable was going to have a sophomore slump in year number two, I don't think he envisioned it starting the way it did with a 40 to nothing loss to the Cowboys on Sunday night football. The good news is after Sunday's performance on national TV, A, this game is not on national TV, and there is nowhere to go but up after that performance. The Cardinals were scrappy against the Commanders, but I still like the Giants. Give me the G-Men to win on the road at Arizona. (laughs) Cowboys hosting the Jets, and this was probably going to be a game that a lot of people were going to be interested in if Aaron Rodgers was hurt. Both are coming off of big national TV wins under very different circumstances. The Cowboys dominated while the Jets needed overtime to eke out a win over the Bills. Can the Jets defense keep the Jets offense in the game or keep the offense or keep the Cowboys offense quiet so whatever Zach Wilson and the offense can generate will be enough? I don't think it will be. Give me the Cowboys over the Jets. Washington at Denver. Sean Payton and the Broncos get a second chance to make a first impression at home against the 1-0 Commanders. Ron Rivera's group looks to stay in the win column and get their first win on the road for 2023. I'd like him to pull it off. Give me the Commanders over the Broncos. <laughs> Miami at New England. The Patriots will be wearing their red throwback unis while trying to figure out how to slow down an explosive Dolphins offense that accounted for 31st downs, 36 points, and 536 yards of total offense. The Dolphins, on the other hand, will be looking to approve upon allowing 433 yards, including 234 yards rushing on defense, which is a strength for the Patriots. They love to run the football. Could get interesting if the Pats' defense comes to play. I still like the Dolphins. Just a little too much firepower on the offensive side. Give me the Dolphins over the Patriots. (laughs) On Monday Night Football, the doubleheader New Orleans at Carolina. The Panthers looking to avoid an 0-2 start to 2023 and in their division, having lost a fellow NFC South foe Atlanta on Sunday. And while the Saints had 350 yards of offense, they were only able to manage 16 points against the Titans. Derek Carr and company are looking to improve upon that. I think they will. Give me the Saints over the Panthers on Monday night. And finally, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. The Browns are coming off a big home win over one of the AFC favorites in Cincinnati and are looking to make it two AFC North wins to start 2023 as they travel to Pittsburgh on Monday night. And after being totally dominated from start to finish by the 49ers on Sunday, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are looking to bounce back and avoid an 0-2 hole to start the year. I saw way too much uh, on defense. I I love the Browns. I got to take the Cleveland Browns here over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there you got it, guys. Um, And that's uh, going to do it uh, for this week. Uh, Come back tomorrow for the Bears Talk Underground, the week two preview, Bears at Buccaneers, where our good friend Rhett Matthew from the Cannon Fire podcast will join us to – to preview this very interesting matchup, uh, you know, as you heard me say in the uh, in the All Out Blitz, um, it's a um, you know it's 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 a it's a matchup with two teams that have something to prove. The Bears are out to prove the Week One was a fluke, whereas the Buccaneers are out to prove that it wasn't. That they actually are you know going to be okay. They're going to be a good football team. They're going to win this game at home against the Bears, who are wounded and and shattered at the moment and hopefully the bear is going to be like you know what that was ugly but we're fine we're going to be good and we're going to prove it by beating tampa bay on the road 
uh, on Sunday. So big matchup for those guys. We'll talk to Rhett Matthew all about it on Friday. So uh, come on back for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. and We'll see you next time. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 